You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to They're CEOs actually- who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1,279, and this is our 1,592nd interview. COVID-19 has impacted every industry and every business in that industry, but no industry may be harder hit than the travel and hospitality industry. And We're lucky to have Sloan Dean, CEO and president of Remington Hotels, to join us to discuss the impact directly on his firm and the steps his firm is taking to survive and thrive throughout this crisis. We've been on the air since March of 2009, and we're the longest-running business podcast in Orange County, California. If you'd like to learn more about our radio show or my consulting business, I would ask you to check our company's website, criticalmassforbusiness.com. Sloan, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's Who knew when we booked you all that time ago that we'd be in the throes of such an issue? And as I said in the open with you and your organization, your company being kind of at the center of it in that industry, the hotel and leisure, hospitality industry. So let's first talk a little bit about your background. Can you tell us a little bit about you and then also educate our audience about Remington Hotels? Yeah, sure. So I'm actually a young CEO. Uh, I've been, uh, I was appointed CEO uh, December 1st of last year. So talk about baptism by fire. If you'd have told me uh, five months ago, this would be uh, my first year as CEO, I probably would have uh, not believed you. But I grew up in the uh, hotel business, was COO for the firm before I was promoted to CEO, and then worked for our parent company, Ashford Inc., for five years in asset management and M&A. And before that, worked for various companies, interstate hotels and resorts, Intercontinental Hotels, who's the parent company of Holiday Inn, and uh, really uh, only had a couple other jobs outside of college before kind of getting hotels into my blood. It's really a business that if you love travel and you love people, uh, it's a hard business to leave. And uh, I got a taste of it uh, when I was a bit younger and have have loved every minute of it. Remington Hotels is a Dallas-based firm. We've been around for 52 years. We started off as a developer in the 60s with our first hotel being the Holiday Inn Galveston, Texas. And then from there, we've had over uh, 250 hotels in our history. We currently today are a management firm first and foremost, so we manage for other institutional owners, mostly Marriott and Hilton-branded hotels. Uh, We've got hotels out in Orange County, the Hilton Costa Mesa. Uh, We manage for a public rate. And then um, not too far away, Marriott Beverly Hills in L.A., and we manage 88 hotels from Manhattan, Boston, down to Key West, over to San Diego, up to Anchorage. And we do about a billion dollars a year in annual revenues, and I have a little over 7,000 associates across the U.S. Most people don't realize the hotel business is mostly a franchise business. Marriott and Hilton are typically just the flag. You have then a, third, a second party that actually owns the hotel, 
And then traditionally, you have even a third party involved, the management firm. And so that that's what I am. We're the seventh largest hotel manager in the U.S. And that is a fantastic overview. Twelve hotels, specifically in California. I was going to mention for our loyal audience that happens to live in Orange County, I'm sure you're familiar with the iconic uh, Hilton that he had talked about. With seven thousand employees and being the management firm, you're the you know you you have the responsibility of the uh, of the employees. Before we kind of talk about Remington a little bit more, I'm just wondering if you could help the other business owners and CEOs that are listening to the show or maybe in the future as a podcast. What has the last few weeks been like for you? Well, I, you know, I take it one day at a time. I think this is where, you know, James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits, is spot on, where you need to have really good recurring habits because your habits become you. And I think it's easy if you allow the situation to overwhelm you to just become completely overwhelmed with the chaos that's gone on around us. Life, as we know it, has changed probably forever um, in certain ways. And the way I've approached it is that, um, you know, first and foremost, we had to get out in front of this and protect cash. And so as soon as we saw travel really fall off a cliff starting in early March, uh, we were in cash preservation mode because we knew um, that this could be worse than the financial collapse. And and ultimately for hotels, this is already worse than the financial collapse of 2008-2009 plus 9-11 combined. Uh, the travel industry in general, specifically hotels, have never seen anything like this. The average occupancy across the U.S., Pre-COVID was 68% occupancy. In your major markets like Orange County, most hotels run mid-70s occupancy. The average occupancy this week for the industry will be about 6%. That is over a 90% reduction in business, something of the likes that we've never seen. 9-11 had the largest one-week drop in revenue per available room which the week after 9-11, hotels saw a 28 to 29% dip in business. This week, will bottom out as an industry being down 92, 93% in revenues. Just unheard of. And so I think cash preservation was first and foremost. And then protecting guests. Uh, we have had some COVID-19 confirmed cases in our hotels. And then protecting our associates. And um, unfortunately, the worst thing I could share, and, and it still it keeps me up at night, is that 90% of my workforce is furloughed at the current moment. And I never foresaw a situation that a firm as large as us, uh, being a billion-dollar company and having thousands of associates, that I would ever say that 90% of our associates are at home, that that is the case right now. And quite frankly, that's the case across the hotel industry. So it's, it's pretty dire times, but I think ultimately as a leader, you can't be overwhelmed with the situation and just go one day at a time and get out in front of it as much as you possibly can. And for us, that was a cash preservation, pushing out accounts payable as far as we could, uh, making sure that we're you know salvaging supplies, getting our associates prepared for enhanced cleaning procedures uh, from a liability perspective and those kind of things. And I, quite frankly, the last three or four weeks, I've never been busier in my career. So maybe it's the fact that I haven't slept a lot. It's kept me from being distracted from the situation. But for sure, the hotel industry, without 
the CARE Act and hopefully further stimulus, there will be a lot of bankruptcy throughout the hotel industry, unfortunately. We're talking with Sloan Dean. He is the president CEO for Remington Hotels. They are a hotel management firm. And, um, you know, I know during difficult times, uh, it's on the leader to kind of stay to the core and the, the values of the company. And here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast, we consider the idea of a purpose as the difference you or your firm are trying to make in the world a positive difference. And so I'm wondering, Sloan, if you could share with our leaders, you know, what's, what is the business purpose that's animating you and your leadership team through these difficult times at Remington Hotels? Uh, we have uh, our, our statement as a company is uh, we're the place where passionate people thrive. And passionate means that we're passionate about the guests we take care of, the other associates that we're empowered to lead and partner with, and for our owners that we operate for. And that remains true whether times are great or times are World War III, which is what I would equate this to for the hotel industry. And thrive means for long term. And so the way, the approach I've, some of the hard decisions I've had to make, meaning furloughing 90% of my payroll within a two to three week time frame, the way I message that to the team is that we have to do this for the sustainability so that we can bring people back and they can thrive long term. It's one of these things that unfortunately we had to, we're having to suffer short term for the long-term thrive benefit. And the things that I've done, I've taken a pretty substantial pay cut. And so I think as a leader, you have to show that. I I took a largest pay cut in the the company and forgave a good bit of my bonus uh, from last year. And then all our corporate team members took uh, pay cuts who are continuing to work. And then uh, for the field, we furloughed. We did not do any layoffs so that people could stay on the benefits. And I actually, every Tuesday, earlier this afternoon, I had a webcast where the COO, our head of HR, and I hold an hour-and-a-half webcast for all our furloughed associates to keep them informed, to let them know about what unemployment rights they have in this interim phase, what occupancy is looking like at the hotels, and when we think we can get people back to work. And I think that constant communication and just me being willing to be present goes a long way in times that, you know, none of us have lived through something like this. And so ultimately, we're in the fear stage where people are, whether they're our associates or their guests or whoever they may be, they may be they're just fearful. And I think just showing up as a leader and communicating in a transparent way goes a long, long way. And uh, some of the tough decisions I've had to make, I, I guess, settle that with myself, knowing that I'm making it for the betterment of the long term. As I said, we're talking with Sloan Dean. And, uh, you know, I've got to give you credit because... There's so much uncertainty that, frankly, most leaders of companies aren't able to predict the future very far out. We're sort of in the survival mode, the day-to-day kind of, because news changes, etc. To be present for that many people and to be open to maybe having to uh, address questions that, frankly, you nor your leadership team have a very clear crystal ball on can be very uncomfortable for a leader and and I give you a lot of credit for being willing to stand in the middle of the ring and to uh, try to help bring some perspective to people who 
you know, one of the challenges I would think you will agree, Sloan, with this with this issue is it happened so fast. It just seemed to be such a quick stoppage of business, but it happened in such a quick succession of, of time that it really did destabilize not only the workforce, but the leaders of the workforce as well. Yeah, and I think that's where it's incumbent on us as leaders to charge a mindset shift, not only of ourselves, but of the organization. I think that's where me doing the webcast, I do a webcast every week for the furloughed associates and then for the associates that are staying. And the messaging is pretty common across those two communities, and there's maybe a little bit of variance, but I also think it's incumbent to motivate and uh, educate those folks so that there's not a false sense of hope. I, I had the webcast today for the furloughed associates, and we set up most of our furloughs uh, through June 1st, and I got the question probably 50 times. I had 3,000 people on the webcast. When are we going to be coming back to work? And I know our occupancy is not going to exceed 9% for the balance of April. We look at May, doesn't look much different. We think a recovery starts in June. And, you know, I frankly told them the vast majority of the folks on the listening on this webcast will not be coming back to work in May. It's not what people wanted to hear, but I think my willingness to just stand there by a video camera and say that creates some commonality and some transparency that at least puts people at ease so there's not a false sense of hope. And it's hard to deliver that type of a message because successful entrepreneurs and leaders of businesses I have found are generally optimistic people. And yep. given that, we would like to give people a sense of opportunity and future improvement. But in you, I think you, it sounds like you would agree, Sloan, in this situation, that can be a dangerous thing to do is to maybe raise people's expectations beyond what you think is reasonable or prudent. Yeah, I think it's something I struggle with every day is balancing, making sure people realize that this is unprecedented and it is going to be more drawn out than people anticipate. And even if the fatality rate in the U.S. peaks nine days from now, travel business may not be back for 90 to, you know, six months, 90 days to six months. And, and so I think you're spot on. I try to balance that with positivity because I do know that he who says he can and who who says he can't are usually both right. And so <laughs> I have to continue to have that optimism balanced with realism. And that's something that I struggle with uh, each day now. But I can't lose the optimism, that's for sure. You know, you know, you, you come from an operations background. At least your last position was COO. And the, the, I have to imagine you're empathetic for what your COO must be going through right now because, you know, you have a significantly reduced staff but you still have the same size property and you have i'm sure you have a requirement to to clean the properties even you know more carefully than you've ever had to before because of the risk of the pandemic so how do you how do you balance the need to conserve cash and to limit your workforce with the increased scrutiny and requirements that you must have to keep your properties as pristine as possible yeah so i'm pretty lucky in that um, i'm a young ceo my COO, uh, it's, uh, you know, we, we always say he has the more gray hair effect than myself, but he's a phenomenal leader. And he actually, it, it's a perfect balance because I was actually an engineer uh, by trade and then got in the hotel business at an early age. He is actually a, has a military background. And so we both have, 
use a lot of analogies of war uh, in the current situation. And so he, his attitude is just roll up the sleeves. We, we got to do what we have to do. And, um, you know, people need to subscribe to that mentality. And that, that really is, speaks to a lot of our culture where we have in our California hotels, uh, San Francisco, for example, is the first to come out with a shelter-in-place ordinance. Our GMs in the Bay Area, where we have seven ho- hotels in the greater Bay Area, agreed to move in to the hotels and have been living in the hotels and operating and taking care of guests and, quite frankly, working 24-7, and sometimes their families are staying with them at the hotel. That level of sacrifice, I think, kind of preaches to just some of the culture. But uh, Stan, our COO, lives that, and I think the military background serves well in this situation. To the, uh, um, you know, your original question of, you know, coming from the operations background, absolutely, we we have to strike a balance between cash preservation and enhanced cleanliness. And what we've done is we've been more aggressive than we've ever been on seeking forbearance for mortgage debt, which every hotel is doing, seeking forbearance on utilities, franchise fees with the brands. And then we've been spending more on cleaning supplies, personal protection equipment for our associates, and then we have pretty rigid cleaning procedures that we hired a, um, a uh, specialist in the area uh, who actually has got some background with the CDC, and he read over our cleanliness procedures. And we're basically, in simple fashion, cleaning the public areas, front desks, the lobby, elevator banks every hour. And we publish that standard to the guests that are staying with us to make them feel more comfortable and we've had to shut down our food and beverage outlets uh, just because of risk. There's not an audit demand anyways, and we've shut down our pools at all our hotels as well on an interim basis. So we are essentially hotel rooms plus a lobby. And that's, um, you know, we, we've had to skinny our operation to protect the guests. And that helps with cash some because your food and beverage margins are, are much lower. And if you're not hitting average check volume, which we weren't, so that that's part of our strategy to balance cleanliness with profitability. That uh, what you'll find in hotels right now is most all the restaurants are shut down in the hotels, and they're just operating as basically you know rooms only, dorm rooms with limited amenities. So, Sloan, you know, I'm going to have you back on the program whenever you feel things have changed or you're ready to give my audience an update, I'd like to maybe uh, lean on you a bit for insight into your industry as we move forward in time, because I do think you are such an important part of um, the story of the recovery. Out of the this situation will come opportunity. And I always ask leaders, you know, I know you have to spend a certain amount of your time fixing the problems and managing the business, but even in this type of scenario, as the CEO, part of your responsibility is the growth strategy and the future strategy for Remington Hotels. Do you see seeds of opportunity that could come to your brand over time, or is it still too soon for that type of a conversation? Well, I, so twofold. Uh, one, because we are more, I, I don't have any corporate debt. I'm not levered as a management platform, whereas a lot of hotel management firms have a lot of uh debt or personal guarantees at the corporate level, uh, there will be management companies at hotels that will go bankrupt and by opportunity, I will pick up 
contracts and become a bigger manager as a consequence of this. That's unfortunate, uh, but it's, it, I know it's coming. To the your broader point about innovation in the hotel industry, we have been testing mobile check-in, uh, mobile key, where you can skip the front desk at our independent hotels, and then we've been pushing it pretty heavily at our Hilton-branded hotels. I think two things that we'll see innovate faster at hotels is a skip-the-desk function where people see that as, hey, I don't have to interact with people and put myself at risk. I can go straight to the room. So I think adoption of mobile key will become more prevalent. We're already marketing our cleanliness standards to all our accounts to show, hey, look, we're, we're going above and beyond the average. And we actually see that as a marketing tool. And then I do think a second innovation that will happen in the hotel industry is food and beverage. Um, you've almost seen this with Domino's where Domino's says it's straight to from the oven and then they put a seal on the box to make sure it's fresh in these times. I think this could be the reinvention of room service in hotels where people may say, hey, I want to forego being in the restaurant and being around hundreds of people that I don't know, uh, but I still want to eat. And so it could be the reinvention of room service that's been dying for years in hotels where there's more demand for in-room dining and uh, a person that uh, a company that can deliver that fresh, clean and safe, I think could be uh, uh, differentiate themselves from others. You gave me great um, examples. I wrote down the term innovation because I think that's going to be a part of the question that I ask future CEOs and leaders, owners of companies here on critical mass to, we all have to innovate to survive and the opportunity may be even greater for businesses, not only to innovate to survive, but to maybe to thrive, to bring it back to kind of the, the top part of our interview here, Sloan. If someone would like to learn more about Remington Hotels, how do they find you online, sir? Yeah, so we are at uh, remingtonhotels.com, uh, always seeking management opportunities. Uh, we co-invest in hotels, too, so... Uh, anybody interested, they can find us there. I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm a, uh, that's kind of the social platform I use the most. And uh, just Sloan Dean on LinkedIn. It's a good thing about having a unique name, uh, albeit everybody calls me Dean Sloan. Um, but uh, I really appreciate the time and uh, look forward to uh, talking again in the uh, hopefully midterm when things are recovered and we're on the upswing. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have our producer get back in touch with your people because I would like to have you back on because I think we could learn a lot and we did learn a lot from the, your willingness to share. And I wish you nothing but the best clairvoyance on making those decisions in a very uncertain time, sir. Your decisions impact a lot of people, and I'd like it to be very positive as moving forward. So thank you because one of the things I – one of the things I want to mention to you that I'm really curious about that we didn't have time to get to is your business has three real businesses behind it. You have the flag of the brand, you have the owner, investor, and then you have the operating company, which is you. It's I would love to have a conversation when we have a clearer a vision of our business about how do you deliver the brand, the brand promise of the various flags that you're delivering uh, for in the marketplace. Can we do that the next time you come on the show? Absolutely. Yeah, we manage for six different brand families as well as we have an independent portfolio where we are the brand effectively. And 
would welcome the opportunity. Okay, so we'll focus on that and other things as well as the recovery when I have you back. Thank you for being a friend of the program, a part of the Critical Mass Community Sloan Dean. All right, thank you. Have a great night. Goodbye. Bye-bye. I'd also like to thank our engineer for today, none other than Mr. Paul Roberts. We're socially distancing this show. I'm doing it from my home studio. Paul is doing it from his studio, but he's doing it all alone. And we're in Southern California. We are living in the stay home third week of staying home. And I'd like to thank our producers who are keeping the show moving forward. Joan Park, Crystal Nunnally, and our newest producer, Vanessa Holland. If you'd like to connect with me, let's do it on LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. Until our next show, I hope both all of your decisions move your business in a positive direction and all of your people in your life stay strong and healthy. And we'll talk to you again. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi.